Hello and welcome back to another episode of Our Generation on Air. My name is Alex Goodamore and I am delighted to say that currently I am joined by Micah Chudley. Hopefully uh, Ben Summer will also make an appearance, but he is, you know, giving Micah a run for his money on technical difficulties expert. Uh, but Micah, <laughs> how are you? Uh, I'm good. I can't believe I still have this reputation, but um, yeah, I'm... <laughs> I don't. Today, right, not anymore. Not anymore. I've been there. I've been working. It's been a long time since I recorded uh, in my car. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a lot better now. I was a lot better than I was on uh, Friday night. Say that. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think that sums it up for most QPR fans. I'd say. Uh, so where to start? Um, perhaps Wigan and. Players arguing with fans, um, Preston maybe, and some defending that should be accompanied by circus music. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know, West Brom, where we conceded two goals really early, but then we went and scored two goals, which was you know a nice new way to play football. We'll probably save that for last, seeing as that's the best. But let, let's go back to that game against Wigan. We won't cover it in any real detail. We will just reference and have a little chat about the events sort of after the game. Um, and one player in particular, Leon Balogun. Um, now, after Preston at home, uh, and, we, you know, two games back after a very lengthy amount of time out, uh, could you, you could make the argument that the reintroduction of Balogun has somehow, when it seemed inconceivable, it somehow made everything worse (laughs) (laughs) um he's now had words with fans both post-match and at the training ground um but your thoughts on this micah um yeah it's it's an interesting one uh the the i know we said we wouldn't talk about the game but the penalty is just an awful penalty to give away it's terrible 34 year old professional center back um, at this point in his career, you would hope wouldn't give away a penalty like that. Um, I suppose where where should we start after the game, or should we go just straight to the training ground? Or go go after the game and like you see that on Twitter. What what are you thinking at that point? You know, because uh, there's what in my opinion, there's one person that comes away looking okay from the video in the moment, and that's actually Albert Adoma. Albert Adoma. <laughs> yeah, it's my... awful. My initial reaction was uh, that of, oh dear, Uh, not just in the sense that it doesn't look good, uh, in the sense that obviously with what the the narrative was at the time, um, I felt, you know, probably wasn't the best idea for Balogun to go over there. And I think Adoma probably felt the same based on what was said. I also worry because with QPR, once it gets um, them versus us in terms of us, the fans, and them, the players, and we're on one side, they're on the others, it, it only really goes one way. I've I've seen it a couple of times in my life and it's resulted in relegation. So that, that was kind of my reaction watching that was, oh God, this is really all coming to a head now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, hopefully this is going to work. So... We have jo- been joined in the call by Ben. He's going to unmute himself. Is is the mic going to work, Ben? Well, we're about to find out, aren't we? 
Well, that is Yay. a success. Nice. Right. Okay. Um, Liam Balligan, the video post Wigan. Mm. Your sort of instant thoughts when seeing that. I I agree with Michael. It, it it doesn't look great the way that he goes over. I understand that he'll want to prove a point, but you know, were he to invite some fans to the training ground without having first had an argument with them in an away end, maybe that's a better way to sort of repair his his relationship with them rather than starting it with a bit of a shouting match. I understand by all means a lot of that has been instigated by the fans. I can't imagine being a football player getting messaged this sort of stuff, but he must have been being messaged. But I think the breakdown of that relationship, I, I don't know if this was mentioned before I managed to sort out my computer problems and join the call, the breakdown of that relationship is kind of as much the club's fault as anything, I think, in terms of, I understand Ainsworth says he doesn't want to give away the condition of his players, the opposition, but there still could be better communication over how this sort of thing happens. And the club will be fully aware of how it looks. He's come in for, for Beal and then not played but this is since Beale left. This is different from, this is like an, an issue that stretches further back than Ainsworth coming in and sort of his policy of not of you know keeping his cards close to his chest yeah. which is fine it's when we were sort of being very open about other injuries and you would never hear anything yeah. about Balogun no and and I agree it's it was just not a, a good policy at all but I still don't think it was particularly advisable for Balogun to do that uh, then as for the the exchange that we've all probably seen on um on qpr.org um which was not one that I was particularly aware of as well it's not one of the sort of forums that I, I knew that much about but um I, I don't think the fans in that situation cover themselves in glory either really I don't know if that's, that's how we all feel yeah I kind of uh, I've mentioned this to you guys already but like it's kind of a, a I'm amazed that this has happened really like no serious mm. club invites fans to the training ground to have like a one-on-one with the centre-back a, a serious club would tell him that is not happening you know just yeah. don't do it. But you've got Paul Morrissey, uh, Gareth Ainsworth and Liam Balligan sitting in on this thing. And I, I can't actually finish reading it. I just get halfway through it and think, no, I can't. I, I don't want to read any more of this. This is utterly bonkers that it's even happening. And I just look at it and I think there's a hell of a lot of excuses going on here. There's not much sort of, from what I've read, I never felt like it cleared any air at all there was a lot of sort of like covering someone you know covering your own back really that's kind of how I felt reading it yeah I mean it 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 was that but I I suppose if you're if you're a club that you've got to look at an exchange like that and go are we going to get anything else out of doing it like you say because the fans are always going to say your injury was fake or you exaggerated it or whatever and Balogun as he has every right to do is always going to say well no I had an injury and I don't know, that's an impasse that exists whether or not you have one of those meetings. So I don't know whether the meeting solves it. I don't know whether allowing them to publish the full transcript solves it. But then I also understand telling them they can't isn't great. So it's just... I mean, if they thought that more nothing than was going to come out of that, they would be just so naive. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Exactly whether or not they tell people to. And you'd rather, I suppose, that they can put it on the forum and say, well, the club said we were fine publishing this rather than them saying, we'll put it on here. But the club told us not to. And you know, why have they done that? I, I don't envy the media people at the club that have dealt with this. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just an incredibly, like, like when you look back at the sort of bizarre things that have happened at QPR over the years, this slots quite nicely into that into that bookshelf. I think. I think on the scale of bizarre, this is a worse thing to be released than the hacker video. 
Nothing. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Don't get me on a soapbox about the hacker video again. Like <laughs> the, the, the other thing that sort of crossed my mind when I was reading a little bit of it is that you know, okay, I don't know any of these QPR fans, and they might be listening to this podcast. They might not be, and you know. There's only one of us here that's actually a journalist. Um, but it wasn't like the questions they were asking were sort of like I didn't think they were very <laughs> just wasn't very well, good. And it was a lot of, sort of like kind of... why don't the fans why don't they come over and clap the fans at the end? Like do you need to ask that for like the third time? I, I don't well I, I don't understand this sort of fetish for players acknowledging the fans, you know. I, I get it on away days to an extent to be like yeah, kind of, but like at the same time, so if they far. know that you're gonna they're gonna walk over there and they're just gonna get absolutely slated, it's actually quite sad. I don't care what, whether they deserve whether you think they deserve it or not. I was at the game against Preston, there was a selection of players, I couldn't tell you exactly who it was because I've forgotten, but a small number of players walked around the ground and they were abused to no end. You know, okay, you can say they've not played well enough, but they should not be subjected to that, regardless of what happens. They're human beings. It's a football match. Like, yeah. and no, it was I, really sad to see that. I, I I agree with you on that front, and I've spoken a lot about how the abuse of players is absolutely ridiculous, and it, 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 even if it's quote unquote harmless abuses in saying you know you were fucking shit rather than. I don't know, saying making personal comments. I still don't think it's all right saying that directly to them. But in terms of Gareth Ainsworth like setting standards and stuff, I think it I think it is pretty fair to expect it as a bare minimum on away days that you get acknowledged, that you can believe that players should acknowledge the fans and that fans should behave better. I don't think that's sort of mutually exclusive. In terms of the questions asked at the fan forum, um again, I don't know these these fans. Um I'm not gonna particularly go in for them. Like I I just think fundamentally that meeting as it as it was. I don't know what other questions you could really ask and what other answers you could really expect. I think it's more how weird the situation was than, than the questions they chose to ask, which I don't have a huge issue with, I don't think. Can I just say, can I just say as well, because some of the questions, you're right, some of the questions, you, you invite fans to the ground, you're going to get questions from fans. Do you know what I mean? Um, but some of the questions around his injury, I have some sympathy for him um, because yeah. I think, to an extent, we all bought into this narrative because it was easy to, but like somebody raised a good point to me, um, which was that if you look at Leon Balogun's uh, career record since 2014-15, he's not played more than 21 games in a season. He's like, his, yeah. his this is pretty consistent. He's got 15 this year. I imagine he'll probably play the last four, which brings him around that 21 total. This is pretty consistent with his career, the the injury. So I, so I imagine for him, as somebody like everywhere he's gone, he's been like a, a bit of a fan's favorite, a cult hero, somebody that's been like a model pro. I imagine for him, it probably hurts that like this narrative is going round that he's faked an injury and like he's not really got the chance to really say anything because that just seems to be the the policy around like injuries at QPR. So like, yeah, I get it. Like maybe a serious club wouldn't have to do something like that, but like just playing devil's advocate, I guess. Like, I, I understand why Balogun felt it was important, if that makes sense. I think, well, <clears throat> not for the first time, the conclusion is that the club has let down its players in the way that it's treated it. 
whether you know like it allowed that the, a vacuum to form where that sort of conspiracy theory could exist you know and it's well, not like I think that it comes unaware. with a couple things though doesn't it because i think critchley i'm not saying critchley said it but critchley made some comments around the time he was doing the whole the players a week thing where he's like oh we're frustrated with leon because one step forward two steps back and i think it was really easy for everybody to buy into the narrative at that point and then i just thought it was odd that nobody at the club was kind of like oh actually like he's flying out to see a specialist because this is a injury that could potentially like end his career yeah yeah and also and also uh, and and this is total absolute speculation i've got no insider information but if Balogun had said, actually, I don't want information out there about, for instance, me flying out to see a specialist because, you know, Balogun's going to want to move in the next summer. He won't want to be seen as a player who's injury prone. Maybe if, and it is an if, he had wanted to limit the information getting out there, I can understand that perspective as well. And it's all speculation. I'm not saying that. Oh, he's, he, this is my thing. Anything. He says in the thing that he's playing to stay here. He's trying mm. to earn another contract here. Right, I miss, I miss so that, I think, it, yeah. This is the thing. Unless he's saying that just because there's people at the training ground. But at the same time, I feel like he could have just got away with not saying that because it seems like a lot of people would be happy to see the back of him. So it, it just really feels like we've just kind of got the wrong end of the stick here. And like he kind of like... Yeah, I, I just... just... Just briefly, I've just I, I missed that part actually. Um, I sort of skim read it a little bit, um, and I've just gone into that bit. And if ever, like if you ask Chat GPT to write an exchange between slightly reluctantly on Balogun and overly enthusiastic Uncle Energy Gareth Ainsworth, Balogun saying I'm playing to stay here, Ainsworth saying Leon wants to stay in football, that's enough for me. Leon saying I need a couple more games in order to convince more a few more people, and Gareth Ainsworth saying Give me those clean sheets, big man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> very on brand for Gareth. Very That's really funny. <laughs> uh, let's move on then. Um, speaking of contracts, there was a little sort of story that came out. Uh, Mikey, you mentioned this to us the other day. Uh, anyone keen for uh. I'm going to say his name wrong. Tyler Roberts or Taylor Roberts. I don't know, whatever his name is. Sounds like it might be both. So you're going to have to yeah. get used to this. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Taylor Roberts. Uh, no. No. He said he said Taylor Roberts there. Sorry. I know I did. I know. Uh, <laughs> Roberts, uh, would you take him next season? I, 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 I still think there's a player there, but I just think the injury record is just... We're, are we not supposed to be clearing out some of these injuries? I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm holding my opinion on it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm similar. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of clear. Like, I can kind of... There was obviously a decent player there, but like you said, it's the injuries. Like, But we knew that sort of pre-loan, surely. Going into it, yeah. It's, it's the injuries. It is the inconsistencies as well. I mean, I've, I've, for the whole season, I've not bought into this idea that there's like a large group of players who just don't care at all. But I do think there's elements to his game where he's 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 not the complete footballer. I wish we had eleven complete footballers. We don't. Um, but I I don't know. For me, it's like we'd be we'd be nursing an injured player and sort of babysitting a player who's still figuring out exactly what he needs to be. And if we were doing one or the other, I could kind of get that. But I'm yeah. I'm not 100% sold on it. I wouldn't, like, don't get me wrong, if they announce it tomorrow, I'd be okay with it. But I'm not excited for the prospect. The weird one with him was the uh, Birmingham game away. Um, 
well, like, it was right close to the World Cup. And if, if he got through that game unscathed, he probably would have been in the squad for Wales. The Wales squad, yeah. But like he then, I don't know whether he went into the game carrying a bit of a knock or like he kind of didn't quite sort of, or if he picked something up during the game, but it was such a weird performance. It was so withheld. Like obviously that's what he was sort of trying to, he was just trying to exist through the game basically and not, I don't blame him for it at all. Like it's his yeah, one no, chance I... to be in the World Cup. That's not like a yeah. massive criticism. I don't blame him at all, but it just kind of, most typical kind of Tyler Roberts game is like he just didn't sort of show up and still managed to get injured somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's really like, it's just like all this talk, I said it earlier, all this talk about, oh, we're going to sign this player if we stay up. We're going to renew this player's contract. If this player gets his contract renewed, he's one of the best players in the championship. It's like we actually, like, how about we stay up first and then we can we can start talking about you know, which 500k footballers we want to sign. Yeah. Um, speaking about staying up, after this game, I'm pretty sure the entire fan base thought we were going down. So let's talk about Preston. Um, despite the sort of like, I, I don't know whether it was like five or ten minutes, it felt very quick that the two goals that they scored. Um, but I thought we were okay in the first half and it uh, when i say okay the caveat with that is that in comparison to other performances <laughs> now you could ar- yeah. argue it can't get much worse and you know you're probably right but at the same time you know uh, really quite depressed following qpr at the moment i quite like to search for the positives you know i, I don't want to just sort of abuse them and sort of slate them the whole time i i've said previously i actually quite like a lot of players in this team and it's really disappointing to see it end this way uh but yeah yeah, i thought we were okay in the first half i thought we were we were okay but in the way that i've thought we were okay before conceding first in pretty much most of our games since critchley came in um (laughs) And then, and then, not to jump forward too far, but watching us against West Brom once we settled into the game, I went, "Oh no, that's what it looks like. We're actually good, like not just okay. We actually that's when we're like going to get something out of the game." But at the time, yeah, watching the pressing game, thought we were all right. Um, I, it it looked like sort of what I expected Ainsworth ball to be in terms of sitting off a bit and managing to counter attack a little bit. Willock looked like he was trusting his his hamstring in a way that he hadn't really been when I'd seen him make brief cameos here and there um which was encouraging and kind of trying to do that thing of, of just make a little bit of space for himself and move the ball on and and if we need him to do that on the counter attack he was doing that and there was that one chance granted that comes from Wigan uh Preston very very nearly opening the scoring against us but we turn it into something and Chair should have done better on the finish but I, I liked seeing us counter attack and then um and then what happened happened and it felt like same as ever really um at that point yeah, I mean, Michael, the turning point for us ever going to get anything out of that game was that miss um, that Chair sort of yeah. provided. I mean, in the first half, on the grand scale of things, you could probably say it was two big, big chances to Preston, one to us. They missed both their big chances. We missed our one, but then in the second half, they're a bit more clinical. Um, though having said that, it was probably quite an easy uh, two goals. Um 
But it was a turning point, really, wasn't it? The the chair miss. Oh, massive, massively so, massively so. You could kind of feel it from watching it on the TV. You could kind of feel it in the stadium as well. Everybody was like, "Oh, you know, you 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 don't get a lot of clear cut chances like that against Preston. They're very compact. They're very organised. So like that, it, it felt like, oh man, like we're not going to get a chance that good again. I I remember thinking we started the the second half quite well as well. I think there was a chance where it's a short corner, and I think. Willocks had a go. It's kind of like a, a shot come cross. And I think Dykes is just reaching for, I think it's Dykes or Martin. I'm not sure. It's just reaching for it at the back post and it's just a little bit ahead of him. Um, that's when I kind of started feeling like it's not going to be our day today. Um, yeah, in that situation, you're hoping, well, if we're not going to score, don't concede but unfortunately that is not the running theme at QPR this season yeah I mean when the if you felt like a little bit of energy draining when chair took missed that there was a lot of kind of we're probably not going to get another chance like that throughout this game but if you really wanted to feel energy energy just dissipating then the stadium when they scored their second goal was an awful place to be. It like yeah. everyone just sort of realized, you know, a one nil, you, you were expecting to lose, but there's still a chance. Yeah. You know, two nil, that was conclusive. We were never scoring two goals against them. Um and coupled to that, the nature of that goal was shocking. It like I I mean yeah. th- there's no there's no other real word for it, is there? I think it's it's well, just which, like... which goal? Both first goal. I'm guessing you're on about. Well, both of them really. I, I kind of I remember the second one a lot more because I, I oh, remember the, the uh, first one really wound me up because it's just like it's it's again it's basic. Somebody running across the goal, like you've run you've ran across the goal. Jimmy Dunn is like half asleep. The guy's got a yard on him. Terms of pace, which most strikers are going to have on defenders. So you get goal side. He's just not got goal side of him. Um, people were giving Diang a lot of stick for it. Um, I I just think realistically that header should not be coming in from that position. Like, it, it yeah, should it, it shouldn't be getting a free header like that. Yeah, and then the second one you've got Balogun and Dunn kind of like. I don't know. Do they, do they collide? They do some, that somehow like the ball goes through both of them, and they're all of a sudden they've got a player through on goal. I mean, there was also a really special moment just before that when Balogun had the ball on the halfway line and nearly kicked it out for a corner. Um, yeah, bizarre. Yeah, that was like yeah. proper weird. <laughs> oh my god, what is he doing? <laughs> Yeah, you get you get those moments where something like that happens that doesn't actually affect play, but just it adds a large amount of insult to injury. Yeah, in the context, like yeah, second goal not great either. I mean, I'm I'm watching it on a loop now. Really, I still can't exactly figure out what happens. Um, but ultimately, two players have gone for the same man, and then um, it looks like Johansson. I mean, technically, you would say Johansson should possibly be keeping an eye on the on the unmarked man there, but it's not Johansson's job in that situation. In in uh, uh, yeah, it, it's just it's lack of concentration again. Clever, clever playing of quite a wonky defensive line, and um, and done not quite catching up with their with their player really. Um, yeah, what do we think is going on? What do we think is going on with Johansson? Because he's he's 
just not in the team at all anymore. I think no, like I mean it's not like ago, it's it's fit fitness, but like it's kind of he just isn't the player that he used to be. He's not even the player he was sort of like a, two years ago at the start of the season. Even start of the season, yeah. Like he gets the injury yeah, and that's him kind season. of done, isn't it? Like he's not. But he's to be fair, like when he drops deeper, his play's a little bit too slow as well to kind of. It's a shame because that, it's, it's that would have been a, that should have been a good signing, like. Yeah, no, nah, it's a sh- it's interesting because he he's Ainsworth has just said a lot about um like lack of experience and lack of kind of grey hairs and whatnot. Um but like routinely doesn't pick Johansson and I, I I don't think um it's because he thinks that there's enough grey hairs in the team with, with Martin and Balogun, if you know what I mean. I wonder if he's just decided that's it, <laughs> Johansson. Yeah. A word then uh, as well on the other centre back. We mentioned Balogun and uh, Dunn often enough. I, I mean, Dicky managed to get himself into the like team of the game week. Um, and looking at his um, stats on, I think it was who scored. They gave him like a seven out of ten. And I, I, I in the ground, I kind of thought he's doing a kind of like the basics right. He was intercepting a lot, uh, and he was actually he looking a bit that more one confident. Yeah, he saved that one off the line in the first half as well. You know, I, I that was probably his best performance in, you know, months really. Eighteen <laughs> months, yeah, eighteen months, yeah. January twenty twenty one. I don't know, like it, it's weird, like because he kind of does he come out of that game looking okay? Um, I, I would have said. It's hard as a defender because you can have a great game as a defender, um, but if you if you lose uh, by like one or two goals, nobody really cares. It's, just, it's the same as if like you could be like look at Aaron Ramsdale; he's been relegated twice, um, and now he's part of a team that might win the title. So it's like it's hard. It's hard to really like come out looking at if your job is to stop goals. It's hard to come out of a game looking good. Uh, to the masses if you've lost, if that makes sense. Mm. If you were to really just like look at his performance in isolation, you'd say, yes, it's a lot better than what he's been. And it's it probably just not really a bad performance, all things considered by him. Um, right. Before we move on to West Brom away, um, there's a small issue of corners and um, we're rocking number 10. Uh, ben, you, you want to come off your long run up on this one. Yes, I do. Um, I'd like to preface this by saying I absolutely love Ilias Chair. He is almost certainly my favourite QPR player. If I had a player's name on his on my shirt, it would be his. Uh, I can, I've never once faulted his effort levels. I've defended his effort levels in games in which he's not been there in other aspects. Um, I think he gives more for the team than more or less any other player that I've seen in the last five years or so. It's going to be some hell of a caveat because that was a really... You feel guilty about this, don't you? Exactly. (laughs) I feel guilty about even starting to criticise him when he's been so far away from being a problem in every department except his corners. I cannot stand them. And Andy Sinton cannot stand them, even if he tries to be nice about it on the commentary. (laughs) Um, And I spend a lot of time listening to the commentary because I live in Wales and Andy Sinton... The thing he does, where he goes, ah, it's just not, uh, it's just not what you want to be, uh, want to be doing there. <laughs> and it's, you know, like, I, 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 I like, <laughs> how long have you had that in the chamber? <laughs> I've, I, I may have done versions of it that include the accent on a night out, and I didn't do the accent there. But um, 
You had a little bit of the accent. It came, a little bit came through. That was very good. That is gold. Right. <laughs> my, 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 my point my point is, um, Ilias Chairs had the number 10 shirt. This is his third season with it now. Third season. Um, yeah. his, his corner taking has not materially improved in that time. Um, our corner taking has improved when Johansson has been fifth in playing and been able to take the corners instead of Ilias Chair. Um, Chair's very good technically. I understand the idea of trying to play it to the near post and get a man running across. When have we ever had a man running across? It just, <laughs> it, it, it's just not, it, it doesn't, it doesn't suit whatever technique we've got for attacking set plays. Those corners don't suit it. And even if we were trying to do that, I would say we should be trying to not do that because every time it hits the first man and it's frustrating. And I, I it, it, there's just no other way of saying that, that, that part of his game has got to improve because it feels to me like when we get a corner and he's taking it, I'm going, oh, well, Maybe maybe we recycle that possession then, or or hope we don't get counterattacked on. It frustrates me, and it frustrates me because he's a great player. If he wasn't a great player, I'd be saying, well, what's the point? And it's the one thing that I don't like about him, um, and that annoys me. Anyway, rant over. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> uh, West Brom. Then um, <clears throat> we all wanted some improvement, and after conceding two goals, we saw some improvement. I mean, we could talk about the two goals we conceded uh but it is a little bit sort of like similar to everything else that we have done recently uh cross into the box which we don't defend in any way and shambolically concede and all of a sudden you're 2-0 down and you're you know giving people who've followed you up to West Brom a, a, a sizable following as well can I just say mm. I know it's not the furthest away fixture in this league but still, no, a fairly long journey to go on. And it's a Not lot of people to, you know, follow a load of rubbish, basically, which is what it's been recently. So, uh, fair enough. Those people that were there got to see some good good stuff. Um, let's only talk about the good stuff then, because we need to keep a bit of... We, we want to get keep things positive. We want to keep things light, you know, entertaining and stuff. We want to we want to get invited to those kit launches. We want to get invited to kit launches as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Lyndon Dykes then. Uh, in my opinion, since coming back from illness, I think he has actually been... Um, he's been pretty outstanding, to be honest. The, 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 yeah, first of all, good. the physical sort of... Um, I'm not quite sure what the right word is there, but the 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 fact that he's walked back into the side and only once or twice came off in like 60 minutes and one of them might have been because we were losing 6-1 and we may as well just protected him for the next game. But he doesn't look like he's someone that did have pneumonia a matter of weeks ago. Um, you know, he's... If I, if I haven't mentioned it already, he was also part of a Scotland side that terrorised Spain. Um, oh, and, you know, oh, well, you know, I thought I'd just bring it up once more. Um, but he's been, it's been really good, though, hasn't it, to see him back? Yeah, really, really good. And being Lyndon Dykes is a thankless task, not, not just in terms of having the pneumonia, but also having a, a game that does not rely on scoring goals and, and, and being important to the team in other ways, not really getting the credit for that. And then also earlier in the season, you know, missing some chances and, and getting stick for that. I've, you know, I, I don't think he'll really ever get the credit. Um, I think he's been very, very good. Um, I wrote a little thing in the in the programme column, actually, about how uh, Lyndon Dykes for QPR reminds me a bit of Kiefer Moore for Wales, where 
the team will try and play to him as if he's a traditional target man, but he's deceptively really, really good with the ball to his feet in the right situations. And I think he's shown a bit of that. Um, but actually, against uh, against West Brom, he he did the proper target man stuff and the nodding it down, and we weren't always getting to the second ball perfectly. But we also had Chris Martin up there causing trouble. I thought I thought Dykes was really good, um, and I've got a lot of respect for him. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, respect being uh, a big word there. I think uh, Micah, his head, his goal, really nice header, really well guided into the net. And you know what? The, the big conclusion for me for that is that is what happens more often than not when you put the ball into the box when he actually makes his yeah. first movement. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, the the goal it, it's not similar to it at all. Um, actually, it's quite similar to it. Do you remember his goal against Reading where Kakai crossed it in and he got in front of yeah. the yeah. He's he's quite good at that where he gets in front of the the man between himself and the crosser of the ball. He's really he's really good at that. Um difficult header to execute as well. Um so prop props to him. He was probably the best player on the he was my man of the match for sure on the day for just, just a very quick point to make on the on the type of header that it was. I think it is an interesting I think he's good at that and I think we should put more crosses in, but I also think that's the exact sort of goal where if his defender just slightly nicks him to the ball, we'll be looking at that and fans will be looking at it going, Why are we putting those crosses in so early when he's yeah. being marked and we're doing this and it's the near post and all that? And especially with yeah. me on my near post corners soapbox, it's a bit of a numbers game getting those ones, but clearly Yeah, nah, you're you're works. right. And and I and I think that, that brings a wider point about the West Brom game in general, where like as much as that game was 2-2 and it deserved to be 2-2, that game could easily have been 3-1 if a couple of things didn't go our way or if maybe the atmosphere at West Brom wasn't as bad as, well, probably as bad as yeah. ours, really. Um, so, yeah, you you could you could make that point and I, I agree with you to that extent. But I, it Saturday just had the feel of like, finally something's just gone our way. Like, yeah. I mean... They what what that that cliche in it about we need one to go in or someone's ass that one has literally hit Chris Martin's well, wife. I was going to say like and, we deserve some luck at some point. The you know yeah, but fucking hell, did I laugh when that happened? Like <laughs> yeah, no, it, like, it's great, but I, but it, it it's it's so true about needing luck, and I, I people won't want to hear it when we're losing games at home back to back to back. People won't want to hear about luck. But I was sat there at the Birmingham City game. Um, and there's a bit near the end of the game where the ball falls in the box. And I think Jimmy Dunn just slightly scuffs it because he's not quite near enough to it to, to tap it in. And I turned to my dad and went, some of this is just luck at this point. It's not to say that we've played well enough to deserve to win game after game after game. But in individual little moments like that, you can pick out bad luck. Of course, you can pick out good luck. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that the universe is against us or anything. But to have a game where, yeah, we can benefit from the atmosphere a bit of luck goes our way in, in in a few different respects, whether it's that we don't concede more than we concede, whether it's because it goes in off Martin in that absolutely bizarre way. You need those games to be a bit of a catalyst, I guess. Um, but I, it's not undeserved. Yeah. Mm. Um, both Dazel and Richards came off the bench uh, towards the back end of the game and both had agonising misses just to the left of the goal. I don't know how wide they actually were in the end, but on the sky red button coverage, it looked quite close. I think Richards yeah. was a diving header and Dazelle had a lot more time to 
get his shot away. He had a few touches and then it was sort of like a, a volley. Still difficult technique, but, you know, he had more time on it. Um, if either of them went in, obviously we'd probably go on to win the game and you've yeah, it, 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 we feel even better about ourselves right now. But, um, you know, you talk about luck and we kind of, we had a little bit of our luck used up with the Martin go, I guess, and you know, you just kind of yeah. pray that that Richards one falls in on the right side of the post because I don't think he does much wrong, to be honest. Yeah, do you know what? It's a really well worked for both chances, to be fair. Uh, it's worked well. I thought for what it's worth, I know we say this every five weeks, Richards had a good cameo again. That, mm-hmm. that's Absolutely. Be... My next point was Richards probably should play bet more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, it's not for the want of trying. Um, but we... we um. Worked it really well for the Richards one. I think it's just, just too high. I Like you say, I don't think he does much wrong. I think he does well to get into that position. Um, and then for the, to the second chance, again, you know, it's really well worked from Taylor Richards. It kind of looks like the chance is about to kind of just peter out into nothingness. And then he kind of just like scoops it like towards Dizel. Um yeah, I mean, like you say, it comes down to luck. I mean, it's it two centimeters to the right, you know, that goes in. We're talking about like a comeback win, seasons, you know, kick started type thing. But you know, the, the the more important thing for me was just to stop the rot. Like once it got to two, once I saw it was two two, like I was happy. I was like, I'm taking this point. Like I'm happy to take. Like even even if it comes at the expense of a Taylor Richards chance or a Dazel chance, I'm taking that point absolutely. Especially yeah, I I, to- I totally agree with that, and I think you add on to our list of uh, of missed chances. Dunn had a header that went very close, and then you can look at quite a few on West Brom's part where either they should have done better with a chance or they should have been just just better generally. It's the sort of game that kind of cosmically deserved to be a draw. I think yeah. separate it from our relegation battle, separate it from their worries under. Uh, under it is Corbran, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, 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 whether it was one all, two all, it could have been five all, but that game just kind of had 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 to be a draw. Um, yeah. I think. yeah. <clears throat> um. Anyway, you know, we we say about sort of if it was a win, then you know you feel a lot better. But to be fair, you know, like you said, stopping the rot a point is a fantastic result. You know, I certainly would not have. Um, I didn't think we'd get a point, to be honest, pre-game. Um. There should have been easier games on paper than mm. West Brom, but it is a bit QPR, isn't it? We've lost to the teams that we should be beating or should be have yeah. a better chance of beating, and now we're going to, you know, give it two weeks. We're going to be beating Burnley or whatever it is. <laughs> it's just, it's going to happen. We all know it. it's going to yeah. happen. Um, but you know, we wanted a resurrection, and there's at least, you know, I don't know, a little bit of resurrection going on there. Uh, let's quickly talk about Coventry. The only thing I've written about Coventry is Victor's going to get you. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you have to write. It's, yeah, it's 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 fine. You've got Hamer as well as a good player, to be fair, as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we know what Coventry, we know what Coventry are about. They've got probably the best striker in the league there, alongside probably Chuba Akpom. Um yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one. These kind of battles, Ainsworth was saying that he, he's played a few Mark Robbins teams in his time. These kind of battles are always quite interesting uh, when managers like know each other quite well. Because I remember Ainsworth 
<laughs> this is a terrible omen. I remember before the Blackpool game, Ainsworth was like, oh, yeah, Mick McCarthy. I know him quite well. He's a friend of mine. He was one of the few people to wish me well when I got the QPR job. Uh, I know his teams quite well. We played a few times. Mick, Mick was in his head from day one. 6-1, six, one. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if that... If it's anything to go by, we're going to get beat 6-1. Then they're going to lose every game between now and then. And then Robin's going to get sacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think there's anything else really to say about that. The kind of I think that the team that we, I would like to see play is largely the team that started against West Brom. Um, definitely our best side at sure. the moment. Yeah. Uh, the you know just would like to see a bit more off of Richards off the bench, uh, and we mentioned him at the top of the show, but potentially the return of Roberts as well to the squad. I think he said so. That's realistically more sort of like featuring in the games beyond Saturday, um, but still, yeah, it's enough I mean, player I... back, and he's probably going to have more of an impact off the bench. You'd think. I, I agree, and, and what I'd say briefly about um, Roberts is that. What, when I liked him most um, under Beal, uh, it was when he was playing a role that was more about linking midfield to attack than being an attacker himself. Um, and the game against Rotherham, which ended one all at home, and I thought we were quite unlucky that it did, and I, I wasn't unhappy because it was very early on and it felt like we were kind of learning what kind of team we were going to be under Beal. I thought he was really, really good in that role. and It wasn't the only game where I thought that. But I don't know if that role exists in an Ainsworth side really and I, and I think we don't know yet because we we haven't seen Ainsworth QPR in full tilt if you like um but I can't imagine him wanting a midfielder to be doing that I can understand him having room for a chair and a willock and everything but sort of a midfielder who I don't know um my, my point I think is basically that that Tyler Roberts is either going to have to be a better attacker or a different kind of midfielder um to fit into this side the thing is with Ainsworth, and I kind of thought about this the other day, and this is to his credit, um, I think he's actually been brave enough to try a few different things quite quickly. Obviously, it's the nature of the situation. I don't doubt that if he started the first game of the season against Blackburn away, then, you know, it, as with most managers, I imagine he would have stuck with what he wanted to do for a significant period of time. But there has been some flexibility there. He's changed things when when he's needed it you know, in-game, pre-game, whatever. He is trying different things. It is a little yeah. bit sort of hit and miss and see what sticks. But, no, I'm, you know, I'm... It's, I, don't, I, I think there would have been other managers and certainly Mark Walton wouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. Careful. No, I, I, I'm, I'm sure. And I, I think I'm probably quite guilty of, of, like, assuming what I think Ainsworth Ball is, having not watched a great deal of Wickham and trying to find signs of it in every little here, there and everybody. You know, if, if we'd have been playing this sort of football under Mark Richley, I wouldn't have been saying, oh, we're playing this sort of negative football, other than one or two games where, where we really have done under Ainsworth. I don't think that's defined how we've played really um, as much as some people think it has. Is that fair? Yeah, like, I, I, don't, I don't think it's all been hoofball. There's been weird moments like sort of, we actually, you know, when we actually played well against West Brom, we we weren't just sort of hoofing it away, but post mm. this first goal, it was sort of like passed it back to the centre-backs and they just panicked and hoofed it every single time. I think that's what a lot of it is, though, I have to say, yeah. because I think to an extent, Ainsworth has kind of taken the breaks off him to, in terms of like, oh, yeah, you can knock it long. I don't mind like not playing out from the back. Like, you know, there's a QPR DNA for like four odd years now has been don't even kick it 
further than 20 meters. But part of that is, oh, like, because we're not very good at being pressed. Let's be honest. We're, we're not very good at pressing. We're not very good at being pressed, which is two of the most important things you need in modern football, right? So it's like we get pressed and now we're not trying to like pick 10 passes out and it's like, oh God, let's hoof it. Whereas like, I, I personally don't think we've been anywhere near as direct as we thought we would be, mm. as I thought we would be. And I mean, that 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 kind of just goes to show that, you know, he has kind of adapted to what he's got. Um, a lot of it for me is just really on the players, to be honest. Yep. And I think we'll leave it there then. So uh, a, a long overdue podcast comes to an end. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you very much to Micah and Ben for coming on and uh, discussing yeah, some vaguely positive stuff for QPR. Hopefully, come next week, we will be talking about uh, a remarkable victory against uh, a team chasing promotion. Um, but, you know, then again, we might not be. Uh, so the important thing to say at this point is um, not... Well, we don't have anything really to promote. I think I, I, I might have a programme column in the Norwich game. I don't know when that is. But if you're at the ground, it, it, there's got to be some... It Maybe not deserve patience, but there's got to be some patience with them and some genuine support for the players. Because otherwise, if it's just going to be vitriol and abuse, then there is one way that this ends. And it is what apparently no one wants, and that's relegation to League One. So, you know... Is there was fight shown against West Brom. Take that hope and uh, take it into the Coventry game, and hopefully it won't be crushed. Basically, um, so yeah, that is the, that's the end of this podcast. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, come on, you ask.